Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I'm joined by a very special guest, my annual podcast with Seth Kaiser of the Athletic Kansas City and also the Chief in the North newsletter. Seth, we do it every year. I'm happy we were able to get this scheduled for this year again because this is another awesome matchup. A little bit different this time, obviously, but the Patriots and the Chiefs never disappoint. They don't. Uh, it's been great matchups for years. Um, and, uh, you know, up until last year, you continually just I, I never had any sort of bragging rights whatsoever. And the Chiefs finally found some last year. Um, but I, I expect another awesome game. These teams consistently play each other really well. Absolutely. And I was just writing my game plan that's going to be out on Friday about this matchup. And I was rewatching some of those coverage snaps for the Chiefs defense against the Patriots. And I just kind of saw the Spagnola effect and we're going to get to that in a little bit. And I think that that's been to me, we always knew Mahomes was great. We always knew Reed is, was great, but this kind of turnaround defensively from what it was in 2018 to what mm-hmm. it has been the last two seasons has been great to watch, but we got to start with Patrick Mahomes because <laughs> this guy is just a magician. He is, he's just a cyborg or, or something like that. That throw that he made to McCall Hardman for that touchdown against the Blitz that Baltimore sent at him way too many times. The reason why that was a touchdown is because nobody else on planet Earth can make that throw besides Patrick Mahomes. And I I think you're probably right. It's, um, you know, the ability to to backpedal away from where he knew the pressure was going to come from and, you know, to buy that extra half second he needed and then still make the throw and go that far down the field, it's just – it's really hard to do, and there's a reason why teams aren't really expecting that sort of action. And that's one good thing about what Mahomes does is he kind of weaponizes his athleticism and his kind of unique traits. He doesn't just do things just to do them. There's generally a purpose to it, and it helps them. They're starting. You can see them starting to design plays around the fact that he can just do things that other guys can't necessarily do. Um, but yeah, you. You hit on something with the Ravens, though. The Ravens came in with an absolutely mystifying game plan and did not deviate from it to the bitter end. I feel like there's a common misconception that Bill Belichick has a similar game plan when he goes up against Mahomes. But it's important to remember last year in that game where they held the Chiefs 23 points, and I think Mahomes is a little banged up in that game, but that, that's besides the point. They only blitzed him with what, the cover zero one time. One right. time. The rest of it was really just four and five man pressures and a lot of man coverage still on the back end. Some cover two sprinkled in there as well, but the, the, the kind of the thing is to me, and I wanted to ask you this question because it seemed impossible that Mahomes could get even better, but somehow the cyborg has done an update and he's even better than he was, you know, last year and in 2018. What has he done in particular to me? And I think to the, to obviously to everybody that just watches him a couple of times a year and in prime time and stuff like that, it's the handling of blitzes. But as somebody that watches him every single day and every single week, you know, where has he really grown and matured? I think, I mean, the, really the, the blitzes thing is such a big deal. And I think it's important to parse out exactly what's different because it's the sort of thing that people often miss when they're watching a game. You know, calling out protections before the snap is one of those things that we can't necessarily see on film when it's done right. I mean, you can because you don't have a free runner or, you know, you, you've got a free runner, but in the, you know, they, they just loft the ball right over his head, right? And what you really see is when it goes wrong. And 
it was the case a lot in 2018 and less so in 2019 um, where there would be free rushers at Mahomes and he would make something happen by doing something weird. You know, he'd jump in the air and spin three times and throw the ball behind his back, something weird. Whereas now you're seeing things, they just look a lot more effortless to him. And so if you look, you know, everyone watched the Ravens game and I think a lot of people watched the, the Texans game as well. Um, the, the Texans really tried hard to mix up their coverages and try to confuse Mahomes with various zones and try to sit on things over the top and just say, Hey, we're not going to give up the big play. And he just, he, he was constantly getting the ball out in, in under two seconds just to the, to the, to the, where the zone vacated or where he had an ideal matchup in man coverage. So it's that pre-snap stuff that you don't necessarily notice during the play. Um, the, the comparison I always give to people, and this is obviously like the gold standard, whether you talk about like Manning or Brady, if you look at a lot of their highlights, it seems like they're always throwing to the first guy. It's like, wow, their offensive scheme must be incredible. The first guy's always open, but no, that's the result of being superior in your pre-snap reads. And so that's where he's, he's sped up his process quite a bit and he's gotten significantly better at, at calling out the protections before the snap. Right, and I think that's exactly what I saw as well. Just that 2018 game, the first half, Belichick was spinning the dial on him a lot, throwing a ton of different blitzes at him, and that's sort of where the maturation of that Blitz Mahomes narrative came from, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it started to begin. And then what happened was is Belichick himself even realized that Mahomes was getting better in that regard, and they started doing it less and less and less and less against him. So I think that's a testament right there when the hoodie is saying, you know, we're not going to call this anymore. This is a bad idea against this guy. That tells you all you need to know about how far he's come in that regard. And I mentioned the one play, you know, the big bomb to Hardman, obviously, but also there's a bunch of other little plays in that game against the Ravens where he was throwing hot to his hot receiver a lot of the time instead of doing like what you said kind of panicking or scrambling around a bunch and trying to find another play now he's actually seeing the blitz knowing where his answers are to the blitz and just getting the ball out which is something that's you know really a a great sign if you're a Chiefs fan because now what do you what the hell do you do Uh, (laughs) to defend him if you can't blitz him playing zone is is a disaster against him, an absolute disaster, especially because of his kind of marriage with Reed. You mentioned that their ability to kind of scheme into situations knowing that Mahomes can make throws that nobody else can make, that Harmon TD is the perfect example. It's an out and up, the backside of the formation against the blitz. No one else is thinking of that throw. And the the crosser coming across, I would think it was Hill coming across the field. The, mm-hmm. the corner jumped him and left Hardman. It was a coverage bust because of of the sort of no one in the world is going to run an out and up like that besides Hardman and Mahomes. You know, it's it's those right. Two. Similarly to, you know, when Mahomes gets the Patriots on that wasp route that he got with Hardman last year, you know, that's a route that takes a lot of time to run for most people, but when you're a 4-2 guy like Tyreek Hill or Hardman, they can run those types of things. So the question really is, you can't blitz them, you can't play zone, man coverage is probably the best way to go about it, but you're also then asking a lot of guys to win one-on-one matchups against some pretty good receivers. Right, and, and you know, I would just say in terms of zone, um, it, it can be done underneath to an extent if it's done really well I think pattern match is a much better way to go because if you've got guys in a specific zone a big part of it is um, Mahomes is just too good in one thing about drifting where he's at 
and it manipulates the defenders. You know, he drifts right, so the zo- every zone defender is watching him, so they kind of unconsciously move. And you can't coach that out of someone in one week. You just can't do it. The instincts are there. And he'll open up throwing lanes with his own movement, which is such a weird thing. I wrote about this offseason because a lot of quarterbacks don't play like that. And additionally, Tyreek Hill has become really good at finding open zones. Sammy Watkins is good at it. Travis Kelsey might be one of the best players in the league at it. He's just, he's always open, except against Belichick. Um, That's because Belichick doubles him out of the game. He he does. I mean, Belichick is the one who, he'll line up, whether it's a Sam or an Edge or whoever, and just hit Kelsey right out of the gate, and then have a guy right in his face out of the gate, and usually have some help as well, because he's just, that's what he's always done, and it worked. Um, and I mean, he shut down Waller as well, which was, uh, it was very impressive. Um, I think with the Chiefs, you can get away with zone if you are really disciplined and you've got really excellent coverage defenders. And so when I think about that, like, so the Chargers, for example, they did, they did play a fair amount of zone, yeah. but you have to be incredibly disciplined at it. You can't move off your spot. Um, and you, you, you have to, you know, sometimes pattern match is a better way to go because then you end up following guys and you don't let them sit down anywhere. So you, you've got to almost do like, you know, where you're willing to move and bend throughout your zones a little bit, but you also have to get pressure. And that's where the real problem is existing for teams when they try to play Mahomes without they play zone, and when you don't have a really, really, really good pass rush, and it can't just be one guy. It's got to be at least two really high-end guys like the 49ers or the Chargers. He he just has too much time, and guys just run wide open through these zones eventually. And that's the problem. You talk about the speed. They're able to get to those open spots faster than most guys. So you can play zone, um, but you have to have an excellent secondary and good pressure throughout. And as the Ravens showed, although they played a lot of man, which brings about its own problems, um, you, you can't, uh, you can't usually try to manufacture that pressure with extra guys. I do like that you pointed out Belichick was really the one that, that first flummoxed Mahomes with these cover zero looks yeah. and the Ravens. I have no idea what they were thinking necessarily because Belichick managed to fool Mahomes with it quite a few times, both times they played in 2018. And then in 2019 in week three, I think it was when they played the Ravens, Mahomes shredded those looks. And like you said, Belichick didn't even try it. And I don't know what the Ravens were thinking. They played like it's still 2018. It was just a bizarre game plan. It's great, you know, to hear that if, as a Patriots fan, just Belichick's ability to recognize and adapt those type to those types of things, right? And Belichick's right. also really good at not going to the well one too many times. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll dial up the zero blitz every once in a while, but they don't do it. 10 times a game like Baltimore did right where they're running those fire zones at, at Mahomes and it, it was it was a lot I think they blitzed him on almost 50 percent of his dropbacks in that game Belichick would never do that he would lead, wait he would run those simulated pressures blitz for rush four or five every once in a while five guys get into the rush but he never really calls the full-on zero blitz until maybe a big spot or just to kind of throw him off or something like that and and that's sort of what makes Belichick great but the thing about zone that the reason why I, I am so against the Patriots playing zone in this game is because we saw in 2018 in that regular season matchup when Hill had three touchdowns mm-hmm. that 
just running zone against this team against those receivers when you don't jam them and you don't hold them up at the line of scrimmage, you don't disrupt the timing of anything. They just get up to full speed. And then you have a safety trying to cut off a post route in the middle of the field against Tyree kill. Who's already running 21 miles an hour. And it's right. It's very difficult to cut it off at that point. Right. You know, it's almost impossible. So I think that's the biggest issue with zone is that you don't have that same resistance at the line of scrimmage. So everybody is just kind of running full speed at defenders down the field and one mistake or one, you know, poor angle or one guy gets out leveraged and it's over. And I think that's the struggle with playing zone. So I I expect to see a decent amount of man. That's where the Patriots have had success Mm -hmm. in the past against Mahomes, although they haven't been as good in man coverage through three games this year as they have been in 2019. So we'll see what ends up happening there. The other question about the offense I wanted to ask you, and sort of a a softball to get you to talk about Clyde Edwards-Elair a little bit, is just (laughs) what's different about this offense? Is there anything different that Reed's doing schematically or uh, uh, their offensive coordinator, Eric Ben-Amy, or... Is it pretty much the same scheme, the same sort of wrinkles? And what is it about Clyde edwards Elair that's really just added another element here? Sure. So Edwards-Elair has added um, at least the last couple games, um, well, really just on a couple of plays. I wrote about last week prior to the Patriots game that he needed more high-quality targets as opposed to just him um, being a bailout option out of the backfield, you know, just run into the flat, run into the flat, run into the flat. That's obviously where where running backs are going to be putting the routes the majority of the time. But he he's an exceptional route runner. And if you go to an example, he's a great pass catcher, too. And there's a couple of examples in the Chargers game, one that didn't count because of a holding call. And then a play that did count against the Ravens, where he ended up running vertical routes down the field. He's He's an exceptional route runner, extremely quick. And what separates him from a lot of running backs is he tracks the ball very well in the air and he catches the ball very well, even if he has to adjust to it. A lot of running backs, that's just not, that's not their game. They're not particularly good at it, even if they're fast and strong. And so he does add something extra to the passing game that they've actually only unveiled in bits and pieces. They didn't do it at all against Houston, only did it on one really got to have it play against the Chargers. And then they, they ran a couple of few more things against the Ravens. I expect them to continue to slowly kind of unfold that as the year goes along. He also, and this is in, um, combination with another newcomer, Kalechi Asameli. Um, they've, they've altered a little bit to their strategy running the ball. They still run a lot of inside zone. Um, but they've actually added a little more power to it. They, they, you, you see them running power a little more often because if there's one thing Kalechi Asameli can block for, it's power. Yeah. Um, and that's one area where, you know, he, he gave the, the Ravens some problems on a few snaps where he is able to one-on-one move aside nose tackles or really get some good push there when he's part of a combo block. And that's been, he, he's been a godsend for the Chiefs so far. He's playing left guard at a very high level. Um, in both pass protection and in run blocking, one thing he does need to continue to work on, you can tell he's still adapting to playing with Mahomes because he's picked up some holding penalties here and there. Um, and even a couple of false starts, I think, on hard counts. So he's still adapting, but he is, he's added a lot and it's almost in conjunction with the two of them where you see some changes in the run game. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Edwards Elair and just with Reed's scheme in general with the running backs, 
they must send the running back up the seam vertically or just in on a vertical pattern more than any other team in the league, which I think really stresses the defense, especially with the motion that they add in there as well. So now you got guys motioning, you got running backs out of the backfield releasing vertically up the field. How many times, you know, they, you, they run that, uh, that I'll go special is kind of one of their go-to play calls and they'll mm-hmm. run it out of a, it looks like there's only two receivers to that side. But the post-snap with the motion, with the running back, all of a sudden it's four guys running vertical up one side of the field. And then what do you do defensively, right, to communicate that? So Bel- I actually asked Bill Belichick about that this week, and he said that, you know, you really got to communicate it as quickly as you possibly can as a defense and realize, okay, here comes the motion. The running back's mm-hmm. also a factor, and just making sure that you know that that might be a four-by-one, even though it only looks like, you know, by a three-by-one or whatever it may be. So that, that, that to me, that catch against Baltimore along the sideline that Edwards Elair had, that wasn't a full vertical, but a pretty vertical route for a running mm-hmm. back. That's a scary one right there. You know, right. how do you defend that? Because you have everybody clearing, you know, Hardman and, and, and Hill and Sammy and all those guys clearing out the coverage of over the top. And it's just Edwards Elair on a linebacker or maybe a, a hybrid linebacker safety type of player, just with all this kind of space on that side of the field. Right. And that's where that ability to adjust to a ball thrown in the air comes in handy because right. he doesn't have to just beat him to the right or the left. He can he can he, he did a little starship and it was on Patrick Queen, his old college teammate, yeah. who ideally is the precise sort of linebacker right. who's supposed to be able to put on running backs. Um, And so that it messes with you in terms of personnel because you don't want to run the risk. And you notice they did a lot more against the Ravens than they had previously of motioning Edwards Alaire out wide even if they eventually brought him back into the formation, but they motioned him to the slot, they motioned him out wide, where he's very comfortable lining up, and that just creates problems. Um, NFL defenses still haven't adapted super well to running backs motioning out of the backfield. They still haven't really figured out how to hide their coverages, and I don't have an answer for it. Um, and, and it's one of the ways Reed loves to expose what teams are doing, because you can try to hide whether you're in man or zone when, you know, by, by switching and stuff, when you've got receivers moving or even a tight end. But when the running back comes out of the backfield, it's hard to hide that you're dragging that safety all the way to the boundary. And so it, it's opened up a lot of options for them. And every game they're unfolding something new with him. I know that they think the sky is the limit for him. They think he's unbelievably talented. And, you know, there's the whole running backs don't matter in terms of, you know, analytics. And you want to talk about over time. It, certainly it's not a high impact position, but situationally, schematically, matchup wise, and in terms of earning a few extra yards after contact, that sort of thing, they can matter a great deal. And I think he's shown that in terms of how he's been utilized. Absolutely. And these are two teams, two offensive coordinators or offensive minds, I should say, and Reed and McDaniels that know how to use the running backs in the passing game probably better than any other two coordinators in the entire league or offensive play callers, whatever you want to call them. So two great matchups in, in that respect. And I'm sure with Edwards Elair, you're going to see maybe a little bit of Adrian Phillips or Terrence Brooks or one of those safety hybrid types that the Patriots play closer to the line of scrimmage. I highly doubt you're going to see, or I hope you don't see any Juwan Bentley or Brandon Copeland or any of their <laughs> linebackers one-on-one with Edwards Elair, because that's going to end extremely poorly. But I think the coolest thing about the KC offense, and I know a lot of people kind of scoff at all the motion and all that kind of stuff and say, is this really necessary when you have Patrick Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and all these guys? But 
the way that they change the point of attack on the formation, I think, with the motions and the way they get leverage for guys on those ghost motions and on those orbits and stuff like that, it's it's really fun to watch. It's something that the Patriots, quite honestly, now with Cam, have sort of taken out of the read playbook, I think, and are starting to use their receivers and, and getting those guys head starts, you know, like a Neil Keel Harry, like a, a Julian Edelman, by motioning them like they motion Hill and, and those guys in Kansas City. So it's a copycat league, and it, I think the Patriots are taking a little bit out of uh, the Chiefs playbook in that respect. We're going to take a quick break to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. But I'll be right back with Seth to preview the other side of the ball with the Chiefs defense and the Patriots offense. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online you can get it in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win division and championship futures today head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts we are back and we are going to continue here with our Chiefs Patriots preview, one of the marquee matchups of the season. Although, Seth, I'm sure you feel like it's a marquee matchup for you guys every single week. Now you sort of feel like how the Patriots have felt for two decades, right? Every mm-hmm. game's a primetime game. Every game's against some division winner from the year before. You got Baltimore on Monday night, short week. You got Patriots on Sunday. But I want to talk about Steve Spagnola, who... If Patriots fans don't know Spags, it's kind of a thorn in the Patriots side a li- more than a little bit. He was obviously the defensive coordinator for the 07 Giants. Sorry, I won't go down that road completely, but he is the one that crafted the game plan to beat the perfect Patriots in the, in the 2007 Super Bowl. He then obviously beat the Pats in the regular season last year with KC and, and has just been kind of their kryptonite, honestly. By running his system, by getting home with four rushers and playing a lot of cover seven in the back end. And what is it from Spags, though, that you have seen that's really led to this defensive turnaround? I know there's been a lot of personnel upgrades as well. Yeah, the personnel upgrades have obviously been huge. Um, but Spagnola's done a heck of a job, and particularly this season, the defense has kind of picked up where it left off last year down the stretch, by and large. Um Despite they don't have Bashad Breland, who was their most consistent cornerback last year, Charvarius Ward got hurt in week one um, and played limited snaps. Uh, he, he left that game. He played limited snaps last week. He should be back. He's got a cast on his arm. It's a fracture. Um, they, they lost. I mean, they had a journeyman, Antonio Hamilton, playing significant snaps and fourth round pick Legereus Sneed at corner. And last year, you know, sophomore uh, Rashad Fenton. And it was kind of like a who is who of who are these guys? And they've still played pretty well. Um, Spagnolo, like you said, he runs his system and he, but he does, he, he, he's similar to Belichick, though nowhere near on the same level because no one does it like Belichick does. He has his system and he has his favorites, but he adjusts the approach to every opponent. You know, know. they, they played, um, they played Deshaun Watson very differently than they played Lamar Jackson, very differently than they played Justin Herbert. With Herbert, it was kind of unique because they had no idea he was playing and neither did Herbert until about 10 seconds prior. Um, well, they only knew when he marched out there. So he, he, he adjusts on the fly. And I think like if you look against the Ravens, how his pass rushers were adjusting their rushes and how they incorporated way more cover zero blitzes in big moments than they normally would because Jackson, as great as he is, 
doesn't always get through his protections maybe the way that he ought to. And he does rely on the middle of the field. I know a lot of fans get upset if you criticize Jackson in any way, shape, or form. Let me be clear. I still think he's a great quarterback, but these are limitations. And Spagnuolo's pretty good at, he kind of just picks at those things. Um, you know, the example, I guess, when they played the Vikings last year, he, he, he kept isolating Chris Jones on their left guard over and over and over. And he, he finds those little things to pick at. He, he doesn't blitz a ton. But he does love to do it in big moments, and he often packages it very differently. So he, what, what he's probably done that's been the most impactful, you know, you, those are a lot of good things he's done. On the back end, he's adapted to the personnel he has. He was never like a big three or four safety guy with the Giants. Whereas with the Chiefs, because you've got Matthew and Thornhill, and then to a lesser degree Sorensen, who does have a skill set you can use, um, and then this year, Tedrick Thompson so far has played pretty well in his system. He, he's run more multiple safety sets and utilized Matthew in that way to kind of cover for some of the weaknesses at cornerback. And he most importantly on the back end, he doesn't tend to ask guys to do things they can't do. Um, he generally speaking, if he's asking them to play man coverage, it's going to be in a very specific scenario, except for Charvarius Ward, who he kind of trusts to do it whenever. And this year so far, Sneed, who is going to be out with a collarbone injury, who has played remarkably well. But he doesn't ask Bashad Breland to play straight man across the board constantly because he understands that Breland is a big physical corner who can play man in certain ways and redirect, but he shouldn't be left on an island completely against fast guys. He doesn't ask them to do things they can't do, and I think that's why he's been able to kind of plug and play with guys that get the system and, and follow it well. I'm glad you brought up the game plan aspect of his scheme because I feel like that compared to Bob Sutton in 2018 is the biggest <laughs> difference I can see is that Sutton just kind of stayed in his coverages, did what they do. Obviously the overtime in the AFC title game is what got him fired and, and yes. for probably good reason, right? Because he left the middle of the field open a couple of times against Julian Edelman and just sort of said, go get your guy one-on-one -on -one and hope it works out. You know what I mean? And, and that's, mm -hmm. That wasn't enough for Andy Reid, and, and rightfully so. And then and Spagnola comes in, and last year it's you know bracketing Edelman, doubling James White, forcing Tom Brady to go to the Matt Lacosses and Mohamed Sanu's of the world, and obviously they weren't able to move the football at all. They only scored mm -hmm. 16 points, and a lot of that came after they blocked a punt to, uh, to a short field. So mm -hmm. it was a really bad offensive day for the Patriots, and I, I – I had flashbacks to the 07 Super Bowl with that game plan because it was the rush four. It was cover seven on the back end with doubles on their two top guys. Obviously, it was Moss and Welker at the time. This time it was Edelman and White. And Spagnola just knew, like everybody else, and smartly he took advantage of it, that those were the only two guys in the Patriots offense that could consistently beat man coverage. And if we double both of them, then Brady's going to have absolutely nobody to throw to all day. And that's exactly mm -hmm. how it played out. Mm -hmm. So being able to adjust the scheme, being able to make the calls against that, you know, kind of game planning, really, is very Belichickian, and, it, and it's very much what they needed to do to kind of take this defense to the next step. And, and I think that's the most impressive thing about watching Spagnola with Kansas City that they've been able to do is do th things like that. Now, I'm really fascinated to see what they do against Cam, because if you play, as you know, if you play a lot of man coverage against a, a running quarterback, Mm -hmm. he, he might scramble, you know, for a handful of first downs if you keep turning your back to him. Lamar got him a few times on it, but it wasn't, you know, enough to really break the dam or anything like that. But I'm really fascinated to see what ends up happening in that case if they do end up going with a strategy that's doubling Edelman out of the game and 
kind of forcing the Patriots to win one-on-one matchups elsewhere, which with a stationary quarterback like Brady is a great idea. But with a guy like Cam that can move around, it, it maybe the Patriots can force them out of that strategy. I think it's one of the cool wrinkles or schematic wrinkles of doubling Edelman, which is such a great strategy because they really don't have anybody else that's going to consistently win. But now Cam can kind of maybe get some teams out of that, maybe not. And that's that. That's definitely something that Cam brings to the table, especially um, with him clearly being healthy. Um, it's a it's a fascinating bit of luck uh, that uh, that Cam Newton, an, an excellent quarterback with a with a really interesting skill set that allows you to be very creative schematically, was available when when Brady left. I personally believe, and this isn't uh, I, I might make half your audience hate me when I say this. I personally believe Cam is an upgrade over Tom Brady um, at this point in their career. It's okay. Um, It's okay because I I think – I wouldn't say he's an upgrade. I would say that he's better suited for the personnel that they currently have. Is that is that a nicer way of saying that he's an upgrade? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's a a nicer way of saying it. I think – I I think, you know, Brady is just uh, his – his, how, how about this? His ambivalence about being hit at this point in his career, it, it did play a part in some some errant throws, getting the ball out there a little too fast. And there are just certain things, you know, he he's not necessarily a creator at this stage in his career, whereas Cam can create. And what's interesting about Cam is, you know, if you want to compare him to Lamar Jackson, um, because they're just both such great athletes, now they're very different kinds of athletes. And he's not, you know, Jackson is every time he steps on the field, he's the best athlete on the field. Cam's a great athlete, but he's he's just different, right? He's not right. quite as electrified. He's a power forward, and Jackson's a point guard. Absolutely. And so, but I would say, in a lot of ways, um, although I don't think he's as consistently accurate, I think Cam, in some ways, is a, is is a better passer at this point in his yeah. career. I think he recognizes things a little bit better and picks his spots a little bit better. So it'll be harder for them to take away certain things. Cause I don't think cam, you know, cam's not as hesitant to throw outside the numbers. He he can do that. And he has done it for a while. Now he does still have a, a predilection for the middle of the field, but it's not quite the same thing. And I don't think he's going to be confused as easily by some of these cover zero looks and that sort of thing. I do think you'll see some similarity in some of their game plan in terms of um, having their pass rush uh, focus on contain as well and trying to just kind of crush in the entire pocket. Um, but overall, their game plan, I'm guessing, will look pretty different than how it looked last year just because the Patriots offense is so different. I do think that the real, I think the game won't necessarily be won and lost with the Chiefs defense against the, the Patriots offense simply because I think that what happens on the other side of the ball will dictate how that goes. I think, and I could be wrong here, if Belichick is able to stick to a run-the-ball constantly game plan, even if it only results in four or five or six yards of carry, which is you know going to be less than throwing the ball, he'll do that. Um, so it's going to entirely depend on how the defense does against the Chiefs offense, because if Mahomes is doing well, they'll have to throw the ball because you right. just can't keep up with ground and pound. Um, but I, I don't think Belichick, unlike what we saw happen with the Ravens, the Chiefs had a few decent snaps against the run, a few good stops that put them behind the, the sticks. I don't think Belichick's going to be as hesitant to run it on second and eight. I think he's going to just see he, – he's a guy – I mean, he'll just – he'll push the same button over and over and over and over and over again. And I think there's, there's a half chance that they force the Chiefs to show they can stop someone from running the ball 60 times. And that's what I would do if I were facing the Chiefs because they haven't shown they can do it yet. 
Yeah, that was my next question was about the, the Chiefs run defense, because I agree with you 100%. I forget who it was on Twitter, but somebody said such a great thing about the Ravens and Chiefs matchup is that, you know, styles win fights, right? And Baltimore's style of play is not really necessarily great a great matchup for Kansas City. And Kansas City's really got them in that respect, right? Whereas I think with the Patriots, there's a little bit more sort of, um, you know, favoritism towards the Pats in terms of what they can do stylistically with the personnel that they have. One of those things is, is that, you know, Baltimore needs to, in my mind, needs to play from ahead. They need to be able to run the football. They need to be able to play from ahead. And I think that that's a strategy that really goes by the wayside pretty quickly when you're playing a guy like Mahomes because he scores so quickly. So you're not always going to be ahead against him. So, Mm -hmm. What do you do when you're behind? We saw Baltimore really couldn't throw their way back into it. Like you said, I think Cam has a little bit of a better shot. But I want to ask you about the run defense of Kansas City. Right now, they're 30th in DVOA. Now, it's only three weeks into the season, so a lot of those numbers mean basically nothing. But they haven't been able to stop the run very well. I thought Baltimore had success early running the football, but they got behind, so they had to stop running the football. What is it about the Chiefs' run defense that needs to improve? Where are they vulnerable? You know, do you feel like, Is this a concern for you going into this game? You know, for the Chiefs, it's always going to start with the offense because, like what we said, you know, teams just can't hang with the run game if the Chiefs' offense is even performing at 80% capacity. And so I don't think stopping the run, as much as the Chiefs pay lip service to it at times, I don't think it's as high on their priority list as stopping the pass, which no team, it shouldn't be for any team. I don't think Um, it's very high on Belichick's priority list either because they play six DBs pretty much, you know, 60% of the time now. Right. And so I think um, in terms of, of some of the things, one thing that helped them against the Ravens, even though the Ravens ran the ball fairly well, uh, the return of Mike Pinnell, who is, you know, a pretty classic run stuffing nose tackle type veteran guy, massive hulking dude. He's seen all the tricks. He, I mean, he's a big help in the middle. They've gotten some contributions from Tershawn Wharton in the middle. They, the real problems that they've had, their edges are generally pretty solid against the run. Clark is excellent against the run. Um, Okafor, who should be healthy, is generally okay against the run, though not nearly as good. The problem they've continuously had, and this has been an issue for the last several years, um, one is that every few plays or so against the run, not every few plays, but you're going to get two or three plays in a game where Chris Jones will guess, and he's either going to tackle your ball carrier for a loss of four, or there's going to be a gap that one of the linebackers has to hit. Now, it's worth it because I think he hits more than often enough, but that's one thing that can occasionally be an issue. Um, it's kind of funny because when he chooses – to just stay in his gap and take on linemen, he's really hard to move. Like, if he just did things traditionally, he's an excellent run defender. Um, the biggest problem has been their linebacker group. Um, Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson are both kind of supposed to be downhill, thumper, smart linebackers. This year, they've been missing tackles um, or or dragging guys to the ground as opposed to stopping the play in its tracks. That's one area I think they've missed Reggie Ragland, who played some snaps as a Sam linebacker last year, in that... Raglan did not have good sideline to sideline speed, but when he and the running back impacted at the 30 yard line, the play ended at the 30 yard line. Whereas with Hitchens and Hitchens and, and Wilson, there's been a lot of dragging guys down for three or four extra yards or even outright missing the tackle. They missed like 20 tackles against the Chargers. And Austin Eckler's a good back, but it was just absurd. They had less trouble with that against the Ravens and I expect it to continue to clean up. But missed tackles have been a problem for them and the safeties, um, especially Juan Thornhill. He's missed multiple tackles this year so far. Great ball hawk, 
very willing hitter, but he's missed some tackles. And so the big thing is you've got some linebackers missing tackles and being a split second late to the hole. And when you combine that and you're supposed to be downhill thumping linebackers, that's really problematic. They've, they've started to rotate Willie Gay Jr. in their second round draft pick a little bit more, but I would not expect him to have a huge role against the Patriots. He's a guy, incredible athlete. Um, but he's a guy that they plan on more, you know, late October, November, December. They're hoping to continue to rotate him in more and more because he does have ex- exceptional sideline to sideline speed. Um, but that's where they're really weak against the run, where they've struggled so far. And it's just hit or miss with Hitchens and, and Wilson. They actually played fairly well against the run against New England last year. Yeah. And so they can do it, but they have been struggling this year. The question to, for me, you know, last question here about the running game, just we saw Lamar have some success with the read option plays on Monday night, certainly, mm-hmm. and, and Ingram off of those read option plays. But w- would you say that the is it is under center the better way or is read option the better way to go against this defense? Because the Patriots can do both. You know, against the Raiders, mm-hmm. they went under center. They ran a lot of outside zone from under center, outside zone lead with the fullback in the backfield, and they just ran over uh, overwhelmed Raiders front, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But then in week one against Miami, who might have a little bit of a better front than the Raiders do, they went with the reads. You know, they went with Cam, and he ran the ball 15 times, and and they ran it for over 200 yards that way. So they can do both, but I think the question is with McDaniels, oftentimes the first couple of drives are sort of feeling out, well, which one's going to be the way to go this week, right? And by the second half against the Raiders, they realized that under center was the way to go, and they pounded the rock that way. Which way do you see the Chiefs having the most problems? Um, if I were, if I were the Patriots, I think they should try both, obviously. Um, I think early on, I would go with a route of, you know, lining up with a fullback even, or even spreading them out a little bit and, and just, and just going straight at them, straight ahead rather than the read option. And one of the reasons for that is the Chiefs, um, edge defenders. For one, Clark especially, they're much better run defenders than what the, the inside linebackers have shown so far. And so by, by utilizing those, those inside zones, some of those things, you can take advantage of the linebackers as opposed to counting on being able to beat the edge rushers. And something that the, the Chiefs, uh, well, edge run defenders was one of the things they do well. And Spagnolo seems to have consistently sought out guys like this. They look for guys with good size and length, but are also above average athletes with regards to closing. Right. So and you saw that actually a few times, even with Jackson, who, of course, obliterates angles, um, Taco Charlton and Tino Passanio and Frank Clark can all close a little faster than most big guys. And they're able to to eat away some angles to the sidelines that way. And I think with Cam, I think there's a risk that he'd be cut off. And because those guys have size, they're not going to get run over the same way you might with some smaller, you know, 34 outside linebackers. So if I were them, I would go that route just because it's at least initially to see how it works you're going after the more vulnerable part of the defense. Well, that's why I had Seth on, because I knew he was going to be able to break it all down. Really quickly, Nikhil Harry, I I feel like his matchup in this game is really important because the the Chiefs are probably going to put a lot of attention into Julian Edelman. Who who do you expect to go line up across from Nikhil? Um, I, I'm thinking with, with Snead out and Breland not back for another week, I think you're going to see a ton of zone from the Chiefs. Um, it, it, one thing that they might do because Charvarius Ward is actually at his best against kind of bigger receivers, they might just have Charvarius Ward follow him around, although Spagnolo does not do this much. They might have him match up more in man and then, you know, fiddle around playing Edelman with a few uh, various ways. 
They might even try to match up Edelman with Tyron Matthew. I, I'm not, you know, they generally like to use him in other ways against the Patriots. But my guess would be if they're going to do man matchups and they generally do side to side, um, the corners generally stick to the same side. I think you need more see Charvarius Ward and they're going to try to protect the other guys. Um, it is really unfortunate for the Chiefs. I know it sounds bizarre that, that Legereus Sneed went down because he was playing exceptionally well. No, it's a, I, I knew when that happened, I tweeted it right away and I said, you know, this is, this is big, bigger news than people are going to give it credit for. Mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated to see that this matchup and uh, what Spagnola does against Cam in particular. Do they play man? Do they play zone? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think these receivers of the Patriots, man is the way to go because they, they've really struggled over the last couple of years separating against good man coverage. Mm-hmm. But maybe because of some of the limitations with the Chiefs, you know, zone might have to be what they end up doing and Edelman and and even Harry against Seattle had almost 75 yards against coverage. So I'm interested to see what ends up happening there. That that Seattle team basically played zone for all four quarters and came almost through for 400 yards. So it's a fascinating matchup for so many reasons. I'm really glad we were able to do this, Seth, because uh, you always break it down in such a great way. Is there anything you want to shout out, any of your coverage, all Patriots fans that want the uh, the other perspective, uh, so to speak, uh, definitely go ahead and follow Seth's coverage. Uh, drop your Twitter handle and anything else you want to mention, Seth. Uh, sure. If you want to look for stuff that's been very Chiefs centric, you can find me at real MN as in Minnesota Chiefs fan. I'm never changing that handle, no matter how unobjective it makes me look. <laughs> um, you can find my work at The Athletic. Um, there's also it's called the Chief of the North newsletter. I started my own site here about four months back as a little side project. And you're going to get some pretty in-depth stuff there. Um, some of it is uh, subscription, which I don't know if Patriots fans would be interested in, but there is some free stuff there especially an article right now where it talks about the problems Mahomes gave against the Blitz to the Ravens. So you can check out all that stuff there. I think it should be a pretty in-depth look as to what the Chiefs bring to the table. Well, that sounds like a great thing to do if you're a Patriots fan before Sunday's matchup. I'm sure a lot of Patriots fans already subscribe to The Athletic. So definitely go ahead and check out Seth there. Check out his Twitter handle. He does a lot of things similarly to what I do with the Patriots. He does them with the Chiefs, breaking down tape, doing stuff like that. So if you're interested in the X's and O's, uh, Seth is definitely uh, your guy. Here on the Patriots Beat Podcast, we will be back next week. It's nowhere near as exciting as a matchup with the Denver Broncos coming to town. With potentially Brett Ripon at quarterback is a guy I really liked in the draft, but never thought he would actually be starting a game against New England in his NFL career. But until then, signing off for my guest, my guest Seth Kaiser. I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening.